Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by my majorly awesome co-host, Jay Christian Gary, all the way from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? Uh, and we have a, another edition of Shooting the Shit, but before we get into anything, we do have to, to do a... 10 bell salute to a very, very well-known and highly acclaimed boxer who just passed away. And with that, I'm going to pass on the Christian who will talk about um, who just passed away. Ah, yes. In case you guys have not heard the news, came out as recently as if you're listening to this July 14th, According to the date of this recording was all of three days ago, the legendary Parnell Sweet P. Whitaker, the former lineal lightweight and welterweight champion of the world and the former undisputed champion of four different weight classes, passed away due to a hit-and-run incident in Virginia, Virginia. Of course, if you know anything about Parnell Sweet P. Whitaker, other than what you know, been transpiring in his life recently, him evicting his mother Norella from the house purchased after he turned pro in the mid '80s, you would know that Parnell Whitaker is a former Olympic gold medalist, 1984 LA lightweight representing the U.S., who would go on to become one of the greatest boxers, if not probably the greatest lighter weight boxer. The, the greatest white weight American boxer of all time. And, of course, people might remember him for his bouts against Roger Mayweather, Azuma Nelson, Hell Brazier, Julio Cesar Chavez, in which the guy came up after the fight was over to yell into Larry Merchant's mic and say, He was robbed! But also... James Buddy McGirt, Wilfredo Rivera, Felix Tito Trinidad, and Oscar De La Hoya, the latter two of which were losses. But still, all the trials and tribulations that he had to go through in his life, Purnell boxed from 1984 to 2001 with a professional record of 40 wins, four losses, seven, no, 40 wins, four losses, one draw, and one contest was his final record. 17 of those 40 wins by way of knockouts. And again, even though even though he had a lot of stuff that he went through, I mean, people should remember him for the legacy that he left behind, not only as a professional boxer, but also as a trainer as well, because he was also the trainer for... Calvin Brock, who lost to Vladimir Klitschko. He was also a trainer to Zab Super Judah prior to his fight against Kaiser Mabuza to become the IBF welterweight world champion. And he was one of the better southpaw fighters in the sport of boxing. And in 2000, he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame alongside Roberto Duran and Ricardo Lopez in their first year of eligibility. But still, Pennell Sweet P. Whitaker passed away 
after a hit and run incident in which the driver did cooperate with police and he passed away at the age of 55 after crossing the street in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For that, we shall toll the bell to a count of 10 to honor the legacy of Purnell. Sweet be with it. in eternal peace and may the eternal ring up above welcome you with open arms may peace be with you Purnell Sweet P. Whitaker born January 2nd 1964 deceased July 14th 2019 may your soul rest in peace and may your legacy forever live on. That, that was a very moving tribute to him, Christian. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, You're uh, We are going to move on to uh, more, I guess we could say, positive things uh, right now in the world of uh, MMA or uh, combat sports, I should say. And uh, one of the things that I would very much like to start off with is uh, something that's going on this weekend. It will be the Rise Semifinals uh, card going on in Osaka uh, this Saturday night, uh, early Sunday morning for us people in the United States. Uh, this, uh, this is the 135-pound and 145-pound kickboxing tournament. No, actually... 58 kilograms is 130 pounds. Oh, 61 okay. kilograms is 135. Oh, okay. But Excuse me. This weekend is the Rise World Series 2019 semifinal round event Eon Arena, IO in Osaka, Japan. You can check the event out live on iPay-Per-View around the world for probably 20 bucks on Fight TV. That's F-I-T-E. TV, the same show. I mean, the same platform where you get the Ryzen events from. Actually, I think that it might be less. I think it's around seventeen or eighteen dollars. Last time I checked, um, as of now. Nice. Um, nice. But nonetheless, whether it's sixteen or seventeen or twenty dollars, um, it is a good price. I actually, I think it's a little bit more than the uh, the first round of the kickboxing tournament that happened back in, uh, a few months ago. I think that was around. I mean. I honest i think it is but you know they're probably gonna hike up the price for the finals if tension nasakawa defeats Sarah. that'd be funny if, they, if if he if he doesn't go to the finals and then they you know they just offer for free on a fight i think that'd be pretty pretty funny i mean to be quite honest 
I mean, I'm not trying to say tension is rising his cash cow right now, but hey, if he doesn't win, the whole show loses, as Kanye West once said. I agree. I don't know if I agree with them raising the price, to be honest. I don't know if that's really a smart idea. Um, I think that the original price point was was a good enough price point. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't. I have not compared to the first round. I feel like the hype for these semifinals is not exactly as, as much. I don't know if it's because you know the first. You know, the first it was Rise's first show. I available. I guess legally, internationally, live, maybe? Yeah, because obviously, before Fight TV came along, and obviously Stuart Fulton, who won't be doing a card this weekend, obviously. I mean, he said it on Twitter himself. But before before Rise became a fixture on Fight TV, because of Tenshin Nasukawa, you would have to basically look at it through... A fake Japanese IPN, I mean, a, a fake Japanese VPN to Abima TV. Ugh. Yeah. I fucking hate that shit. Um, so, yeah. And they, or you, if you, yeah, if that's if you want to see you live, but then they would upload the fights on YouTube. I would say uh, a pretty quick turnaround relative to how most Japanese combat companies are, combat sports companies are. Um,. But I'm glad that they did recognize that tension does have some value uh, internationally, and they are trying to capitalize on it. But I do think that this semifinals, not a lot of people are talking about it, I feel like. Well, I mean, come to think of it, we can talk about it. Exactly. I mean, even though, even though we, we can talk about it, even though we don't know much about most of these fights other than the fights that do feature... An alum from Ryzen or a big time name in Genju Mino, we can talk about it. So, exactly. I'm basically, yeah, so I'm basically going to say the fights that we probably would have an interest in, and you just tell me who you're going to pick. Okay, I'm just going to get, I want to get up the poster, uh, which has the latest, uh, the latest amount of, uh, of all the fights that are that are happening as of now, uh, Thursday, Wednesday, excuse me, uh, July seventeenth. That could always change, you know. Uh, but presumably, it's still going to be the, uh, you know, barring any injury or any um, mishaps. But uh, let me zoom in on this because uh, uh, they actually list all the fights on the poster, which is really cool. But the type is so small that I I even can't read. It. Let me see this. Uh, probably need glasses to see that shit. Okay, well, one of the fight, one of the fights. I well, I should say more of the fighter I'm looking forward to is Khan Nakamura, uh, returning to a kickboxing match. As you may remember, he basically, I guess I don't want to say uh, he he made a name for himself at the at the uh, Ryzen show last month. Um. Oh, yeah, he got that knockout win. Yeah, I apologize for getting his opponent right now, but he got that. It, it wasn't just just his knockout win that he got. It was it was a very nice knockout, uh, a, a a standing uh, kick to the head. But it was his attitude, I think, that a lot of people were drawn to. Uh, him putting his hands down, baiting his opponent, trying to get the uh, crowd to... Uh, 
to to get it to get into the fight in between rounds. Uh, also, is undefeated as well in kickboxing. Um, Nine and zero, trying to look for ten and zero, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. You know, hopefully he's taking on Ryuki. Um, looks like he's gonna be on the, on the second fight though. So, um, might be. Uh, I guess you could kind of say, kind of jerking the curtain. Eh, well, no, it's it's not. The, it's the if it's the second fight, so it's not technically jerking the curtain. Um, yeah, it's technically, it technically is jerking the curtain because you're basically trying to get asses and seats and eyeballs on screens. That's true, yeah. Um, and that will be at 61 kilograms, this match. Three-minute three rounds. Three-minute, three rounds. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, oh, uh, another fight. We have Kento Haraguchi taking on Lu Jun uh, from China. Now, I don't know if you remember this, Christian. Do you know that Kento Haraguchi had a fight in Ryzen um, against Taiga? Yes, I, I think I remember this. He was one of the many people to defeat Taiga Kawabe. Well, oh, oh, close, close, good, close. It went to a draw. Interesting. It was at the Ryzen 12 car, uh, show, um, where, uh, yeah, once again, Taiga, one of his uh, his bad luck streak, bad luck streak continued, going to a draw of Kento Haraguchi. But uh, from the first round uh, of the Rise World Series 2019, Kento Haraguchi probably made the quickest paycheck ever, where he basically gave a liver kick to his opponent, and they went down, and they did not get back up. I think it was. I want to find out how long, how, how, what that time was, because it was very, I think it was less than 10 seconds, maybe. Yeah, probably was. Let me double check. It was, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. It was 25 seconds, and it was the shortest fight in that oh. card. Quick paycheck. <laughs> absolutely, oh yeah, absolutely, and yeah, um, it was a teep kick, actually, I stand corrected, it was a teep kick to the liver. Uh, his opponent went down, and made a, he made a good paycheck that day, probably, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, anybody who will, it's always exciting to see, you know, oh, will this person, can they, um, will they be able to do, to repeat success? Um, hopefully, you know, he'll have a nice, uh, he'll have a, you know, a highlight real finish, which would be pretty good. Um... Actually, you know, following that, uh, one of the guys who I think is a kickboxer to look forward to, uh, Dalison Gomez Fejeja, taking on... Mm -hmm. Mas Dalison Gomez Fejeja from Curitiba, Pahana, Brazil. He'll be fighting against 1FC fighter, Masahide the Crazy Rabbit Kuda. Mm. Now, we might remember Fejeja was an underdog in Tyga's most recent match at Ryzen 16, excuse me, Ryzen 15, and he knocked out, uh, well, he got three knockdowns on uh, on uh, Tyga, uh, much mm -hmm. to the surprise of many people. Mm -hmm. And he just added to Tyga's ongoing streak of losses and disappointment. Yeah, and actually, 
at, at the last Rye show, the first I keep on saying the right, the first round of the of the World Series, he faced off against Sukem. And he almost had Sukem beat. Uh, with the exact same way that he beat Taiga. But um Tsukim somehow managed to to rebound in the third round and basic and teep kicked uh uh Gomez uh Fehea uh to the, to a, a to a win. Um mm-hmm. and that was actually a really good a really good kickboxing match. Really, really good. But I'm actually looking forward to Fehea because you know, I think he's a guy we'll be seeing a lot, whether it be Rise or hopefully in Ryzen. Um, and, you know, it's actually funny. Had he won that match, he'd be taking on Tenshin Nasukawa right now. Indeed. And I think that's sort of, you know, it's a very intriguing match. You know, um, I, has Tenshin ever really faced a guy... Who's just like a brawler? I feel like he's only he's faced guys who are, who are always. I guess maybe. Um, oh my god, I'm having a, a brain aneurysm. Who's the guy who who people said that that uh beat him in the uh, rise match, the Muay Thai fighter, who's now won? The Muay Thai, Rotog. Yeah, Rotog's kind of a little bit of a brawler. Um, I guess maybe a a, a bully boxer. So maybe he's the closest, but I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like tension has never really faced people who just brawl, who just who just do that like that that uh, um, Jekyll Mata style of boxing where they just just get up all in your face. He faces guys who are technical or guys whose skills are nowhere near his. And I think that'd just be a, a really fascinating matchup in my opinion. Yeah, but not everybody can be a raging bull when it comes down to facing tension as a coward. But I wonder, you know, it'd be interesting to see him face a raging bull type just because it's very interesting to see. And, you know, I would like to say that we kind of saw with the with the recent John Jones, Thiago Santos match that just happened at, in UFC, the light heavyweight championship match, where mm-hmm. Santos... Basically, show that if you get into Jones, if you get close to Jones, you really go in close to him, that he is gets overwhelmed. Now, obviously, Santos did not win that fight, and he was basically fighting on, I think it was like no legs because he he tore every muscle in both legs or something to that degree. Well, actually, both fighters were pretty much fighting on spaghetti noodles. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so but I. We, we have found that there are certain fighters who like to be the ones controlling the pace. Jones is obviously one of them, or who likes to bait people. But there's people who step over those traps and just, you know, really show, I guess, little regard for their own well-being. There's almost a way, like, that, that throws them off. I wonder if tension would be the same way. Well, Hector Santiago, I remember, was uh, also on the Rise first round. 
Uh, I'm gonna look up who he was eliminated by. Um, uh, he was eliminated by oh Taiju Shiratori. Yes, I remember that because um, yeah, it was it went four rounds actually because I think they went the extra rounds. Um, because it was very close, and Hector Santiago, actually, another good case of a guy who, you know, had, you know, Taiji Shiratori, who's much, who's a very tall, 134, 135-pound, um, uh, type of kickboxer, also trains at Teppan Gym, um, and we saw this when he fought, um, at, uh, Ryzen 16, uh, he fought, um, Shiratori, I'm talking about, he took on... Uh, Hiroto Yamaguchi, and mm -hmm. in the last round, Yamaguchi, you know, really getting into Shiratori's face, really just being a bully, a bully kickboxer. Uh, wasn't enough to win uh, for uh, Yamaguchi, but Santiago kind of employed the same strategy when he faced Shiratori, um, enough that it had to go the next round, but um, Shiratori has really good cardio, man. He's really, really good. Um, really good at, at controlling uh, cardio and all that stuff. But um, regarding Hector Santiago's upcoming match, uh, Yuki. Um, I know I've seen Yuki be fight before. I'm trying to recall. He's fought for Ryzen, I think, right? Shit, you're right. He has fought. I mean, Mr. Ryze, Yuki has fought for Ryzen. I remember what, this must be like one of the early ri Ryzen's, I believe. Um, nah, probably. I mean, to be honest, it was probably. Re I mean, I'm trying to search for it right now, but yeah, it was probably more recently. Really, I. Because, uh, hmm. Just was to be honest, I think Yuki has fought on one of the recent Ryzen cards beforehand. Was it the kickboxing tournaments that, uh... No, 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 no. It wasn't. Ah, okay, here it is. I found it. He fought... And I... Oh, I was right. Ryzen 1. Ryzen 1. Oh, shit. Uh, Yuya... The, basically, it was the card... It was the only Ryzen card outside of, you know, the beginning cards. The two cards that were shown... You know, on Spike TV and not shown to a shitty Russian stream. Um, that yeah. Wasn't shown to us via through EverSport or Fight. So I may not even have have seen this fight. I just made it a result. I don't, um, yeah, Yuya defeated Yuki uh, by by knockout in the first round. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, so it's possible that that fight is not even available. It was also the first fight in the card, even. So who knows? You know, if it even exists. So. Eh, shit. I mean, to be quite honest, other than the big kibosh, who probably put their own little spin on Daily Motion, you can check them out on Daily Motion. Just search for the big kibosh pod. I mean, just search for TBK Podcast. But still, other than the big kibosh podcast, who probably put their own little Mystery Science 3000 spin on it. I mean, I'm pretty sure no other file of that fight, whether it be Chinese commentary or Terry. Yeah, so, yeah, so if you're gonna, good luck going on a treasure hunt for that fight. Um, especially being the first, the first fight on the uh, on that Ryzen FF1 show. So, you know. Yeah, 
No shit. So, but, you know, no. hopefully I'm Hector... Uh, hopefully uh, Hector Santiago wins it because I'm really getting sick and tired of these Japanese fighters who get who go by their first name when it's a only and they have a very popular, very I guess a very common Japanese name. It's starting to frustrate me so much. I'm trying to do research right. on all all these fighters to do that. Um, and um, what about the min? What about the mini Sealy? Um, who this is, you know, I'll be honest, I know both by name only, I'm not too familiar with either, um, with their in-ring stuff, uh, what do you, is there anything you could tell me about either of them, Christian? Well, from what I'm seeing right now on Facebook, I mean, from what I'm seeing right now on Facebook, Emmanuel Petty Mini Shelly is 24 years old. Born February the 23rd, Masahiko Suzuki, what can I pull up with him? Um, well, well, he's been around since, let's see, how long? He had his first fight back in 2013. Uh, he's 22 from Osaka, 5'6", 121 pounds. Um, he fought uh, uh, in the last, um, in, in the first round, Rise World Series. Uh, he beat Duck J. Yoon. By knockout in the first round. Yep. Um, who else? He actually fought Tension back in 2015 and lost in the first round to Tension. Of course. And this was for Blade. You ever hear of Blade? Blade Dot Two. I, I, I might have heard of that promotion a little bit, but not too much to the point where I actually know it by heart. Um. Let's see. He has, uh, his, his record of wins is 20, 11 by knockout, 3 losses. He's a, uh, the 2018 Rise Bantamweight Champion, 2017 Hoost Cup Japan Bantamweight Champion. Uh, Japan winner. Uh, 2014 Deep Kick 55 Kilogram Champion. And the 2000... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, 2000, and the last thing I have is 2016 uh, WBC Muay Thai Japan Bantamweight Champion. Oh, so he's pretty much a big name, and from the looks of things, Emmanuel Tutti is only going to be bought in 
to be the international jobber, so to speak. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he trains at the Yamaguchi Dojo. Um, let's and yeah, normally the flyway. What'd you say that uh, what 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 weight class does Emmanuel Yuji train uh compete in? Fifty-one to fifty-five kilograms, which is one hundred eighteen to one hundred twenty-two pounds. Oh, um, hmm. oh, okay. I thought the uh, uh, Masahiko usually competes at flyweight. Maybe there'll be a flyweight in MMA, right? Not flyweight in kickboxing because that's like a fucking. I mean, that's like pack mule size, really. Uh huh. Um, so I guess you kind of have to say, um, Masahiko Suzuki. Oh, of course. Of course, because he's going to come in with the more prettier record, be way over 500 compared to, you know, Tucci, who has just as many wins as he does losses. And not many wins via knockout. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, well, I'm actually surprised though also. This is being... This fight's on... Is third from the last one. I don't know if it's a set in stone. I'm going by the poster. But it'll, that's what it's, it's showing here. Um... I see. I don't know. I know. That's a, that's a little bit odd. Um... I think. Am I... Am I my personal uh, opinion. Um, well, I'm going by the listings that Kravaka hit. Um, so, we want to talk about the um, ESP, uh, the, uh, not the ESPN. Well, my, my brain is fried because I'm so tired right now still. The, uh, the, the tournament matches? Uh, yes, of course. The Rise 61 kilogram Yep, yep, of course, of course. 
Um, do you uh, do you have a particular favor in this fight? Well, I mean to be honest, Taiju Shiratori fights for obviously Taiju Shiratori fights out of Team Tep, being a member of Tenshin Nasukawa's immediate clan, <laughs> and he most recently defeated Hector Santiago back on March 10th. So I think I got. Taiju Shiratori. I got Taiju Shiratori winning this. Obviously, by way of his boxing background in the back, he, much like Tenshin Asukawa, is going to wave that flag for Team Tapping well into the finals. But I won't be surprised if the damn near 300 fight veteran Saison ends up winning. Well, actually, if the over 200 fight veteran Saison ends up getting. Well, ends up not only getting the upper hand, but getting the victory as well. Well, do you, do you think this this will be a, um, it's going to be a, another, well, it's funny because we're getting, we have three matches, three of the, actually, yeah, three of the matches are, are like Muay Thai guys versus Japanese guys. Um, True. But I, that's very interesting. That's a very interesting. It's funny how that that all worked out. Um. Um. But I guess you know. I mean, hmm. How tall is Sexon? Do you happen to know? Sexon is five feet seven inches tall, and his walking weight is one hundred and forty-one pounds. You said five foot seven? Yep. Oh wow. And Taiju is, is six feet or is he five eleven? Not that very really Five eleven. Okay. And a half, probably. <laughs> okay. Wow, this is a tough one to cho to choose. I must. I understand. Hmm. Take your time, though. You don't have to rush through it. I'm gonna be the odd man out, maybe in this. I'm gonna say Sexon takes this. Are you sure about that, dude? Well, well, let me see. I'm trying to remember his la the last fight that he had at um at, at the Ry at the Rise show first round. He defeated Tiger back on March 10th. Yes. Okay. The, uh, unanimous decision. That was it. Adding okay. to Tiger's long list of woes. I think I have. <sighs> well, because here's the thing. I remember Taiju's match. And Taiju basically didn't, he had to win that fourth round, which basically tells you that, okay, for those that don't know about kickboxing, it, if, it, if, if, if a fight goes to a draw, it can go to, I guess, sudden death overtime? Yeah, extra, extra round, pretty much. Exactly. Extension round. Um, so, um, but if, if. The thing is that Sexon defeated Taiga, who I'm, who I'm, I'm not sure, not sure is exactly at his best right now. So it's like, who do I pick? Do I pick, do we do, we, do you pick the guy who may, defeated a fighter who's not exactly at their best, or do you choose, um, do you choose a fighter who who had to go to an extra rounds? With somebody, mm -hmm. with another fight. It's, uh, you know what? I think now I think I do have to go with Sexon. 
I really do. Based on the fact he was able to defeat Taiga in three rounds, as opposed to Taiju had to defeat his opponent in four. I think, uh, I, I think height be damned, height and reach be damned. I think that, uh, that, uh, Sexton is going to take this in advance to the finals. I see. And the particulars for the other 61 kilogram fight, Genji, King Genji Umeno versus the Korean double, Chan Hyung Lee. The particulars on Umeno, he is 30 years old, born December 13, 1988. He's 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighing 134.5 pounds, fighting out of Tokyo, with a kickboxing record of 44 wins, 11 losses, and 3 draws. 20 of those 44 wins by way of knockout. He is the W. He's a WBC Muay Thai World Super Featherweight Champ, a former Rajendar Stadium 135-pound World Champion, and he defeated he defeated Lu Jun at Rise. No, at the Rise event on, on March 10th to advance to this tournament final. I mean, to this tournament semifinal, in addition to beating Yu Dong Lee back on May 19th at Rise 132 on the same fight card with Tenshin Nasukawa had to shake a motherfucker down. <laughs> now, as for the Korean double, Chan Hyung Lee, born August 11th, 1992 in Seoul, South Korea, age 26. He's 5 feet 5 and a half inch tall, 134 and a half pounds, fighting out of Raon Jim in Incheon, South Korea, with a record of 21 wins, 7 by way of knockout, 7 losses, and 1 draw. He is the Rise Super Featherweight World Champion and a former knockout tournament finalist. He made his way through to the Rise Tournament semifinals. By virtue of knocking out, funny, by virtue of defeating Mr. Rise, you back on March 10th. And only the second bout that these two men had against each other, in which the previous time, back on July 17th of 2017, he knocked his ass out in the second round. So now that I let loose all the particular, who you got? Whew. Take your time. I know, it's another one where it's like, hmm. The thing is that, going by the last, well, Genji Umeno's fight at Rise was not impressive. Uh, it felt, you know, he felt like a guy coming of a lot of hype. And, but the fight didn't deliver on the hype. And I think he even said in the post-fight interview after after he won, uh, you know, he was sorry that it wasn't, didn't turn out as exciting as, as it did or whatever. Um, but Chan Hong Lee, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think in his last, I believe in his, the last matchup, I think he knocked out his opponent in the first or second round. Um, let me double check on that. Um, I apologize. No, it was, just, it was a decision. 
It was a decision win against Yuki. Uh, Yuki. Oh, hello, Yuki again. Um, I have to. You know what? I'm gonna go Genji Omeno on this. I think Genji Omeno is gonna take this. Uh, I think he. I think he's. Uh, there. Uh, the. the he lost to he lost to Genji. Uh, they're they're one on one, right? Right now. Uh, yeah. Um. Cause it's funny. Um. They're both. It was both. They both had decisions with each other. So it's like. Hmm. Yeah. You know. What? I'm gonna go Genji on this. I'm gonna go. I think that Genji is gonna take this. We'll go to the decision probably. You know what? It probably fucking will. But I think that Genji Umeno is going to take it. I see. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what do you think, Christian? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be wrong to go against you. I'm going to say that Genji Umeno is going to knock out. I mean, banish the Korean devil. <laughs> you think so? You really think he's going to knock I, him out? I mean, I, I mean, if anything, the worst that he can do... I feel like other than the tension fight, there's probably gonna be more decisions in these um in these uh tournament matches. And I feel like they're gonna go that way because I think the fighters are gonna preserve themselves um for the eventual final. I don't know when the finals are supposed to be. Did they say when the finals are supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be September maybe? Uh, if, if not September Probably October. Okay. Because um, also, these people, these fighters fight in between. I'm already looking at, uh, at, um, uh, Sexon. And after he fought on the Rise World, uh, uh, first round, World Series first round, this is, that was in March. He defended, uh, the, uh, he, he was at, uh, how do you pronounce the stadium's name? Raja Damnern? Raj In Bangkok? Raja Danern. R-A-J-A-D-A-M-N-E-R-N. He uh, defended his uh, uh, stadium title uh, in March. So, I mean, not March, May, excuse me. Two months after. Literally two months, less than two months after. Um, uh-huh. So... I think I think I I just don't feel like there's gonna be a lot of finishes in the tournament matches in my personal in my personal belief. If it happens, it happens. But I feel like a lot of fighters are gonna go at a are gonna go at a deliberately slower, more safer pace. I feel like minus tension, of course, because he doesn't do that um, as far as I've seen. But regardless of that, um, um, we got uh, yeah. I think that. Um, I think Genji's gonna take it. I think Genji will probably take this fight, um, and it'll go to decision. Hopefully not, but I think it will. Uh, shall we go on to the other two tournament matches? Ah, uh, yes. The 58 kilogram or 130 pound rise world series semifinal bouts will feature Rongi or Sanpapa versus. Shiro, a fighter from B Well Kickboxing Gym in Saitama, Japan, the current ISKA Muay Thai World Bantamweight 
And of course, the rematch between Sir Kim P. K. Saiyan and Jindo Tenshinasukawa. First of all, of the particular, well, one of the particulars for the fighter, I mean, one of the particulars for the semi-final fight in, in the 61 kilogram weight division, Ronki Roar Sanfabai, age 17, all of 17 years old, born January the 20th of 2002, fighting out of Hanon, Thailand. And from the looks days, let's see, three... Let's see, 4, 8, 12, 16. He has a kickboxing and Muay Thai record of 17 wins and 5 losses. The current Ranjam Dam Stadium 130-pound champion and the former, I mean, the former true for you, Muay Moon Wansuk champion. And of course, in the Rise World Series semi I mean, in the Rise World Series first round back on March 10th, he defeated Portuguese fighter Fred Cordero via decision. Now, as for Shiro, I got nothing on him as far as height and weight goes other than what gym he represents. But, or, I don't have his record for him either. But all I know is that he knocked out his previous opponent, Lutus. Sorry, Christian. What was the name again that he knocked out? Vladislav Mikitas. V-O-A-D-Y-S-L-A-V-M-Y-K-Y-T-F. He defeated a Ukrainian fighter in the third round back on March the 10th. And do you have Shiro's record? Um, let me get, get that up, and I'll see what I can find on our boy Shiro. Once again, another fighter who's a Japanese fighter who goes by a singular name. That's a very popular name in Japan, so uh, this will take a while. Um, give me a second. I thought I had something. I hope it's the correct Shiro as well. Because, as I told you the other day, there's apparently many fighters who have kickboxers who go by the same, uh, who go by the same, uh, there's many fighters who have, the, who have the, a similar first name, and then it totally fucks up your, your research. Um, no shit. Swear to God, I thought I had something on him. Um, okay. Well, we're going to pause that for a second. I'm going to read something, though, that Karev fan posted on Twitter regarding this fight. He actually posted uh, uh, information, a, a little bit of information on the um, on the uh, four uh, tournament matches. So I'm going to read what he said about Roomkit versus Shiro because I thought it was most interesting. He said, Shiro is shedding the good boy image somewhat and has shown very little respect to the former Raja champ and has constantly derided his fights as being boring. Let's see if he can put on a show. So, we have Runkit, uh, who is a, form, uh, a former Raja, we just mentioned that, stadium cha uh, champion, um, is being shit-talked by Shiro. Um, so, Runkit, I'm going to look up the, uh, his fight that was in Rise. Uh, 
do 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 Runkit defeated Fred Cordero Cordero uh by decision in three rounds. But like you said, Shiro defeated his opponent with a low kick. And I I remember this. The, he was using utilizing leg kicks. And basically was doing the old Jose Aldo to Uriah Faber or shall I say Edson Barbosa did to um, who was it that he uh, knocked out of leg kicks? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember. Well, here's the thing. So everybody remembers the, the Uriah Faber, Josie Alda fight where after the fight, Uriah Faber was basically, he was, he, he basically was barely walking. That's what he basically did, Shiro did to, to the Ukrainian gentleman that he fought. Um, so... It is interesting as well. Something that we didn't bring up before, though, was that the two that the three Muay Thai fighters, um, you know, they fight under different rules in Muay Thai. So yeah, they're coming. You actually, know if you're going to be throwing elbows or not. Exactly. Which these rise does not allow elbows. I'm assuming, and it's certainly not for a tournament. I would guess, like most tournaments, uh, combat sports tournaments do, don't allow. But Barring that, while I think that Room Kit would be a very, very interesting fighter to go on to face either Tension or Suikim, I think that Shiro is going to take this. I think he's going to finish Room Kit. I think he's going to be this is going to be one of the few finishes in the tournament matches. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I can't doubt you on that. I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, Shiro gets to win against Roomkit. You said that, right? Yes, yes. Because I think that what I think what Shiro is going to try is going to try to utilize the same technique that he did to defeat his other opponent. Low kicks, very little clinching. Because you know Muay Thai guys love the clinch. They mm, they love that. They absolutely fucking love that. Um. But I don't think that Shiro's going to fall into that trap. If Rookit wins, you know, hey, good luck. I think it will still be interesting. But I think that Shiro's going to take this one. I think that Karev, fight, uh, Karev fan is right about this one. Mm-hmm. I can understand you on that. But, of course, we got to get to the obvious main event. If it's not the main event, Rise is tripping. <laughs> but still, it's a rematch. Between Suakim, P.K. Sayinchap, and Shindo Tenshinasakawa. These two last fought back on February 12, 2018 at Knockout's first impact event where Tenshin dragged Suakim to a decision victory, obviously. Since then, for Suakim, who was born Chanan Meijai, August 15, 1995, in Chantamburi Province, Thailand, 5'8", 129 pounds. He has since become the Lumpini Stadium 130-pound world champion. And back on March 10th, he knocked out Dallison Gomez Fahelia to enter into the semifinal round of this tournament. But, of course, as we know, 
aside from the fucking exhibition we shall not talk about ever again unless, you know, shit hits the fan, Tenshin Asukawa is a goddamn beast. And I mean, of course, the dude basically has done a hell of a lot to put his image up, to basically make fame and fortune all over Japan, and could have made fame and fortune all around the world, as of course, you know, he was gonna get signed by the UFC, but of course, that would have cheated us out of all, all this brilliance that he's been able to achieve since 2014. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Nasukawa, the Rise Featherweight World Champion, no, the Rise Kickboxing Featherweight World Champion, hint, hint, Ralph Fillet. <laughs> The ISKA Oriental Rules Bantamweight World Champion, the Rise Bantamweight Champion, the 2015 Blade Japan Cup winner, the Rise Bantamweight Kickbox, the first Rise Bantamweight Tournament winner. Oh, and of course, the Rise In One Night's New Year's Eve 2017 Kickboxing Tournament winner. In addition to, of course. If I remember correctly, he knocked out his last four opponents. <laughs> only three, of, only two of which managed to get into the third round. Obviously, Federico Roma and Kid Tornado Fritz Biatan with I mean, with Manny Pacquiao watching. And of course, he has an undefeated MMA record. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about. Basically, the differences between Tenshin Nasukawa, who, oh, I forgot to mention his, I forgot to mention his credentials, age 20, he's doing all this shit as a 20-year-old and about to turn old enough to drink neck from Shiba, born August 18, 19, from the Shiba Prefecture of Japan, born August 18, 1998, kickboxing record on fleek, <laughs> that's what we in the urban community, say 31 wins, 24 knockouts, absolutely no losses. A black belt in Kyoko Shin Karate, a black belt in Shin Karate, but still. Now that I basically wore my fucking voice out saying all that, and of course, Suakim has a kickboxing record of 105, 23, and 3. Yes, it's that long. He's been fighting that long. Who you got? You know, it's funny because I was looking. I had. I probably should watch the that for their first fight. I haven't. Um, that's totally on me. But I was reading what people were saying. About, I'll actually. I'll read what Kreb fan said about about this fight as well because I think it sums up what um I was about to say. A rematch of a fight from back in knockout. The first Suakim fight was one of the tougher tests of Tension's career at that point. But the fewer rounds and switch the rise rules should sway to Tension's favor. Um, so Suakim, I don't know if it was like the Rod Tang fight where people were like, oh, uh, Rod Tang may have won that. I, don't, I can't recall if people were ever saying that Suakim won beat Tension. My guess would probably have to be probably very highly unlikely. Um, barring that, though... Um, I think that, um, I mean, if, I don't see how Tension's not going to lose, uh, not going to not win this. Um, I think he takes this. I think he, I think he, I think he, you know, 
hopefully, you know, whatever mistakes that he or we, how he's grown since that last fight uh, with Sue Kim, you know, he's learned from them. I don't know. Is this is? I don't know. Like, have has he done many rematches? Tension. Um. I feel, no. like, I feel like he's, it's so weird, I find it so weird when there's like, and I always found this weird of Mayweather, how he only had like, t one rematch, and it was the, um, who, uh, Alvarez fight, he fought Alvarez twice. Oh, of course, I won't Canelo Alvarez, who the fuck couldn't remember that? So I just think it's weird that like, again, he's won those fighters, uh, I mean, oh, I guess, the one person he did have a rematch against was Yamato Fujita, but it was originally an MMA match, and then they um, met up again in a uh, kickboxing match. Um, uh -huh. Let me look at Tension's record to see if he's ever had like a, a rematch in kickboxing. This is going to be what his Wikipedia says. Um, looking through this very, very quickly. Um, oh, uh, Daiki, uh, Daiki Naito. He's fought twice. Um, oh, okay. So he has fought no rematch of another fight more than one. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, he's a guy who hasn't done a lot of rematches. Just, just very funny that like there are some boxers like you have Manny Pacquiao and um, who's the guy that he fought four times? Um. Uh, Marco, I mean, you're talking about Mayweather, right? No, no, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, Pacquiao. Who oh, you... Pacquiao fought Marco Antonio Barrera. No, no. Like, four. There's another guy who he fought four times, um, or three times. Um. Shit. Uh, oh, Eric Morales. El Terrible. No, I don't think it was him. Fuck, I'm gonna have to look this up. Was it Chavez? Did, was it Chavez? Was it Chavez? Uh, couldn't have been who, 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 Will he finish Sui Kim? I don't know. That's a question. Will he fi will he finish him? I think the likelihood is probably probably not. I don't feel like he I don't think he will. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes beyond the fourth round. Oh, it goes beyond the third round. Excuse me. Um, but this will be a very interesting fight to watch. Um, for uh, for all of us, tension, rising, rise, kickboxing, uh, everybody, it'll be a it's the fight that everybody will be paying attention to. Who do you think? Um, who do you think takes this fight? If I were to go record wise, it would be probably because of the fact that he would need to avenge that just to make his record seem. Like it actually means something other than just, you know, a convoluted mess. Exactly. Where he's basically fought nothing but local cab drivers. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, 
Obviously, you know where we're going, Sam. It's pretty damn obvious. Oh, what? what? The only reason why—I mean, the only reason why Tenshin Nasukawa is, you know, in this tournament, driving up ratings on Fight TV for the Rise event, is because of the fact that, like we said, like we too earlier on, if Tenshin doesn't get the win, no, if Tenshin fails to win the show and the promotion loses. I mean, because who knows? If Tension wins this fight and potentially faces off against uh, Roomkit or Shiro. Yeah, Roomkit or Shiro. They could, you know, possibly drive up the price on Fight TV. Actually, make people, you know, have an interest in seeing Tension. So yeah. It is a tough decision, but I'm really hoping that Tenshin Nasukawa wins for the sake of the popularity. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It, 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 would, it would hurt Rise. I don't know if it would hurt Ryzen so much, but it would certainly hurt Rise a lot more if their finals is Suikim versus Runkit. That's not that's not an insult to either fire, but let's be honest. Rise probably does not want that. Uh, duh. No, they don't. I mean, they probably don't because if they did, there goes the popularity of the promotion, and there goes their standing on fight team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, other than that, uh, that is the rise. World Series 2019 semifinals. As Christian said, it's available on Fight TV. Um, it'll be at 1 a.m. Eastern Time for us Eastern Standard folks. No, uh, no Stuart, uh, Stuart Fulton doing commentary. Um, I hope the guy who you, who you, who you think it might be, is not it, because that would be really oh, horrific. Uh, not Drew Cordero. Oh, did you? No. I thought you said John Purdy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, you know. It's just gonna be, you know, whoever they get, you know, you have to. Kickboxing is an entirely different world than MMA, and I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that MMA will be easier, but I'm going to say it. MMA is a little bit easier to kind of find knowledgeable people about it. Kickboxing, though, is a very... There are very few people who know about kickboxing or know about it to the degree that I want them to be a commentator. Because if... You know, that's the other thing as well. I hope that... I hope whoever Rise is hiring knows their shit because if they don't... Ugh, it could be really, 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 really embarrassing for them. It can hurt them in the long run. It really can because... They did their rise first rise car was did was very good, but the problem is is that if they don't, if they if, if they if the guy if whoever it is doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about and it's just like it's just 
so if it's like mute worthy then that's gonna hurt them and it's it's gonna hurt them in the long run basically if they don't know what an up kick is from being in shit they're fucked exactly yeah exactly but uh shall we move on to another topic christian Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I really don't have much to say about it. I really, when it comes to rumors about cars or or car rumors, it's very. I very very seldom will will comment on them because you know I can make a whole bunch of comments and a whole bunch of oh um, what do you call it? fantasy bookie matches? But in the end, it it really doesn't matter so much until. We see something that's like, I guess, more concrete. Like when I when I did that when I did that uh, article for MMASucker.com about five fights Ryzen should make this year. One, um, I based it all on 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 fights that had just happened or you know historical Ryzen related historical things. So I based it on something. Right now, I don't know what the what I could base a. Rise and Bellator card on at this point, because you know Bellator, you know, and we'll talk about a little bit is doing their their uh, featherweight tournament, um, mm-hmm. so they're focusing on that. Uh, they're they just finished their welterweight tournament. Ryzen is going to be focusing on their presumably uh, their presumed lightweight tournament happening in October as well. You know, so like when it comes, I guess when it gets closer, you know. It, we, I'll, I'll feel more comfortable to comment on it. I mean, I'll say one thing. I'll, the most I'll say is I hope it happens. That's what. That's the most I can say. But as for like what, what the card is, I know Scott Coker mentioned something about Rampage versus Fedor or Barnett versus Fedor. Um, but again, it's so far away that like anything we say now like is gonna have is you know gonna have nothing. It has has no has no candle to. Uh, has I like a leg to stand on? What do you think? Well, to be quite honest, I think any fight Fedor, especially in Japan, would probably be. I mean, any fight featuring Fedor in Japan would probably do them the most good. It's just that I don't know if it would be cool to actually have fight Bellator K around that particular time frame when, you know, people would want to see the fights take place inside the Ryzen ring. Yeah, that's another thing as well. We don't know, like, we could, there's not a Facebook, but there's so many loose ends that have to be worked out. Like, I don't, like, I don't even know, like, what they, what, what would even, like, would it be a, a you know, the, like, the, the, the hybrid cage rope uh, ring thing that, the, uh, that uh, RCC does? Um, well, actually, M1 Global used. Also, RCC did, uh, did. I watched a few of uh, Ivan Shirentov's fights, and they actually, for a few of his fights, he did have. They did have the um, the um, mix, mix, the rage, the, the rage, rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know 
when contracts, you know, con MMA contracts are, are always a, a weird thing. So we don't even know who's going to be in Ryzen or even in Bellator at the time. We don't even know, you know, who will be added to the Bellator roster or Ryzen roster. Who the, yeah. So, yeah, right now it's too early. For, it's too early for me personally to speculate on it. If we, I'll say, I'll, I guess, you know, since Scott Coker did say uh, Fedor's name um, specifically, you know, it'll be great, you know, to have, you know, if Fedor does decide to really have his final match, you know, have it in Japan at Super Saitama Arena. Why not? Go ahead. I don't know who. So I guess that would probably. So I guess that would probably disqualify me from asking about a potential Gabby Garcia versus Julia Budd fight because Julia Budd, after she retained her Bellator Women's Featherweight World Title against Big Bad, oh, Big Bad Olga Rubin last weekend, she basically said she wants to fuck. Gabby Garcia in a potential bout, but in order for that fight to happen, considering the fact that Bud fights at 145 pounds, she would need to gain 20 or 30 extra pounds just to fight. Well, here's the thing. Oh, uh, you know, um, I I can I can confirm that Gabby Garcia will be having an MMA match in the future. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to specifically, I can't specifically say for uh, what, but it'll be after her, uh, her the um, Abu Dhabi Combat Club uh, grappling tournament that she'll be in. Um, so, I can't presume it's that already. I don't know, like, I don't know if it's going to be that, or, that already, this early. But what I will say is... Uh, since they, since they both did comment and since Gabby has also commented publicly, um, it is an interesting fight stylistically. I'm gonna guess that probably Julia Butt would come in at 165. Uh, they have to do a catch weight. Uh, I'm I'm guessing they have to come to some sort of agreement on weight. You know, Julia Butt could probably will probably just like we walk around weight like 165, 170 or whatever, and then uh, Gabby would probably have to come in at maybe like 215. You know. I did see that she is uh, at the gym, losing a lot of uh, you know uh, shredding. Um, so maybe well, there is. Some... I mean, she has to when she's training with Chris. I... You know, so maybe there is something in something that we don't know about. Maybe that is it. It is an int but I will say it is an interesting fight from a stylistic point of view because if we learn from the submission underground show that just happened, um, Craig Jones. Australian jiu-jitsu wunderkind tapped out Anthony Rumble Johnson who weighed in I think about 280 and I think I'm trying to remember I don't remember what Craig Jones's uh, weight was but it was a uh, let's just say that Rumble had a very significant weight advantage and it didn't matter in the end because Rumble got heel hooked and tapped um obviously Gabby Gar that, Gabby Garcia Anthony Rumble Johnson being a super heavyweight and 170. Don't forget that. Damn. Remember, he fought Josh Koscheck. He fought. He fought and lost against Josh Koscheck at one point. Yeah, that shit is. I mean, I can't believe that shit that he once upon a time fought against Josh Koscheck. But he good Josh Koscheck nonetheless. Mm-hmm. 
Well, nonetheless, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I'll just say it'll be an interesting fight from a stylistic point of view, and it could only happen in Japan. Um, or maybe Texas. Or on a uh, Indian reservation. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But hopefully Ryzen. Hopefully Ryzen. I think it'll be... A, It'd be a, a much. It'll get. It'll get rise. Actually, I would. I will. Actually, I'll say this. So, you know, I did make the comment before that I feel that Ryzen. I don't know if it was it was between you and I or or with somebody else, but I feel like Ryzen is trying to do less. Actually, yeah, it was during the JQ interview, which will be uploaded this weekend. Um, I mentioned that Ryzen is doing less of the freak show fights. They're doing less heavyweight. Uh, JQ mentioned that as well, but they seem to be kind of doing less of you know. Just those types of fights. They're trying to become a more legit MMA promotion. Uh, so I'm not, you know, huh? I think it's entirely possible that even the fight never even happens. If if Ryzen wants to be seeing the eyes as a legitimate MMA promotion, um, they 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 may not even want to book the fight. Yeah, I mean, mostly because of the fact that. Look at Julia Budge. He fights at 145. Her walk around weight is probably 160. I mean, if she does end up fighting Gabby Garcia, she would look like she's eating a fucking buffet. Yeah. So again, you know, until something's announced or there's rumblings of like rumors of it being signed or something, it's very hard to comment on it. It really is. Um. Other than that, let's see. Um, oh, we wanted. Do you want to talk about the one FC versus Will Chop uh, thing, right? Yes, I do. I mean, let me try and get it up for Well, here's the thing. Before you get into it, it was actually resolved today with Will Chop taking down his Facebook post on the advice of his lawyer. Yep, that's correct, and that, you know, when they get, uh, that they've, um, I guess, quietly swept under the rug about uh, fighters who have failed tests. And, you know, there are people who are pointing to Eddie Alvarez's opponents, um, I can't remember his name, but in his one debut, um, the, I think it was a Russian guy or Ukrainian. It was against Timofe Nastyukin, Nasty Timmy. People were saying, oh, this guy looks a very, actually, and also... When Cosmo Alexandre uh, knocked out um, Sage Northcutt as well, people uh, were were making accusations of, of Cosmo as well. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know what the funny thing is? You know that when when Chop uh, put, posted that, he actually uh, Chachri, uh, one FCC CEO, said he agreed with what uh, Will said. Yeah, but he only agreed to do he was in the wrong. 
that then also they uh, will eventually will receive the message from one FC's legal department uh, saying, you know, take it down or we'll sue you. And then Will Chop was basically like, uh, I'm going to uh, basically put out there that he's going to consult his lawyer. And then uh, I'm going to advise his lawyer due to um, some common law in Thailand. Um, so I'm guessing, because uh, also Will, Will Chop lives in Thailand uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So it would have been prosecuted. So it would have been it would have been contested there, and apparently uh, Thailand, like many Asian countries, have very very stringent common law laws on on um, slander, libel, uh, stuff like that. Japan has very very strict laws on that as well. So I guess you know he was he erred on the side of caution. Um, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I'll say say this. I'm not surprised if one FC wants to do their shows in New York or in the United States like they want to. They better learn they're not going to be able to do that shit though. Especially in New York, if they want to do their show in New York, New York State Athletic Commission is not going to allow samples to be sent to Taiwan. <laughs> true, true. And here's the thing: I'm not, you know, the the you know, the State Athletic Commission and USADA. They have their they have their criticisms and their and their negative points but the, the here's the thing Chatri is not going to you can't come in into you're not going to tell the New York State Athletic Commission oh we're going to take care of the of the of the drug testing ourselves they're going to be like uh nope sorry we'll take care of that and they'll take they'll gladly take those those cups of piss and test them themselves so you know that's not you know I'm not surprised to hear that probably that happens in 1FC 1FC has a history of of wanting Specific people to win fights, and I wouldn't be surprised if certain fighters had failed tests, and then they were, and then you know they were like, "Oh, we want this guy to win, so we'll have you know you go to Taiwan, um, piss test." So yeah, they have a pretty shitty history of how they treat not only fighters but fight personalities, i.e., on all the game lipops. And of course, the one and only Lenny Hart. Friend of the show, Lenny Hart as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, I guess. Oh, you know, uh, by the way, when it comes down, to, I mean, I'm gonna be brief about this. One FC says they want to expand to the U.S. next year, probably at the beginning of next year, maybe to appease their people over at Bleacher Report and Turner Sports i.e. TNT and stuff. But do you think that, you know, their history will come back to bite them in the ass before they have to deal with the New York and California State Athletic Commissions? Uh, oh, well, they're not going to be able to pull any of that shit of overturning fights or any of that stuff. So, you know, it may not bite them in the ass, but if they try to do it, it will. I'll say that. Um, what I, I you know, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about you know, we'll talk about more on the rise of the show when we talk about Ivan Shertov's Shertov's fight against uh, that he's having in um in, at the Rise of Seventeen show about you know, well the greater question of should should international uh fight organizations 
uh, respect, you know, dom uh, you know what other international uh, fighting fighting organizations do in terms of suspending athletes and all that stuff. But that'll be for that, I think. I think it's a better, better conversation for the actual Rise and Preview show. But you know, I'm so yeah, I'm you know that's the thing is that if if one comes here and one of their fight, fighters fails, they're not getting on the card, and they better realize that. Um, and that if one of their fighters, you know, loses, if, you know, um, uh, May Yamaguchi happens to lose a fight by decision, uh, or something like that, uh, Chachi cannot say, you know, we looked at the footage again and determined that this was not the correct way that it should have gone, so we're going to overturn the fight. That can't happen. Because that pretty much means they're not going to be, I mean, it's going to be fewer far between before they ever run another show in the state, at least to alone show one. Exactly. But, um, barring that, um, here's something I want to briefly talk about was the recent Road FC show that was on, as you would say, Christian, Zone. And, um, I'm going to get the exact Road FC show. Um, oops. Uh, the exact uh, number of the show. Uh, this was the Road FC FC 54 from Wanju Gymnasium in South Korea. Wanju, South Korea. And as everybody knows, Road FC used to be a promotion that was on YouTube. It used to show shows live on YouTube. I thought they were one of the most under-the-radar promotions that didn't get, co get proper coverage. And on Fortunately, um, they are, I don't know if they're a promotion I'll be paying attention to that much in the future, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to explain why. So, I ordered the zone because of the Bellator, uh, 222 card, because that's, it was exclusive to that card, uh, to that, to that platform. I got this, uh, I, 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 I was trying to see what else I would watch on it because, Let's be honest, I don't give a shit about bowling or darts or whatever the fuck else that they have on the zone. So I saw that they had a road FC show coming up. Um, I didn't watch it live, but I watched it on, on delay. Um, and within, first of all, first thing that I, that really pissed me off was, so the road FC shows are split into two parts. Their prelims are considered, or they're called the Young Guns, which is more like unknown fighters, up-and-coming fighters, fighters with with records that are not exactly, they're not exactly the most, most, uh, I guess I should say, um, successful records. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it's people who are building their names up. It's basically, you know, it's, you know, it's not, it's like, you know, when a UFC fighter goes from main card to the prelims, it's considered a demotion. But for the prelims of Road FC, it's more like building up future fighters or seeing who the future fighters are, which I think is great. So, I thought this show would have Young Guns show. It unfortunately did not. It only had the, the main card fights, which was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six fights. Only six, only six fights. Um, I'm very disappointed in that because... I have no... Why should the Young Guns fights not be on? Are they not taping them? I can't believe that. 
We're gonna see one of those one of those promotions that tapes everything. Um, yeah, I was very disappointed that 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 that, that was um, that that decision was made. Um, the other the other thing, and this is, you know, some people say it's a good thing because of uh, Road FC commentary, but um, the sound was there was no sound and made the first forty five minutes to an hour of the show. This was not the zone's end. This was on Rodesi's end, to my understanding. And that is really, really bad. I know there's people who don't like the Rodesi commentary, but I'm going to say from a production standpoint of we want to show that we are legit, that we, that we are a promotion to be that takes itself seriously. This was really, really bad. I can say, you know, other than that one Ryzen show, Ryzen uh, 13... Where they had the deal of a tsunami hurricane. No Ryzen show has ever had any issues on Fight TV. Bellator, no issues uh, on the zone. Road FC, first time I put it on the zone, sound problems. Never an issue before when they were on YouTube, as far as I can recall. This was it was incredibly embarrassing. Um And other than the fact that there was a five-second knockout on the show, which was great, it was not a good card overall. And I'm very sorry to say this, but I think that, unfortunately, I don't know if Rosie is going to be a promotion that I will likely pay attention to as much as I did. I feel like ever since they won the zone, their hype, the hype died down for them significantly, in my personal, in my, in my personal opinion. What do you think, Christian? Do you have any thoughts on Roe FC right now? Well, you know what? To be honest with you, I see them in the same vein that FC being Alaska Fighting Championships, for those that y'all don't know. I see them as the same. I see them being in the same vein as Alaska FC and Fight. A poorly produced promotion that has no business being on the platform that they are on. Even though if it wasn't for folks like Jeff Houston and Lee Lee and Stuart being with Road FC, and at one point in time, Lenny Hart was doing special events for them, I wouldn't have given a shit about it. Aside from the fact that, oh, oh my openweight title that he only defends a few times every few years but still aside from no disrespect to sport aside the quality that they have aside from you mentioned I really don't see why Road FC is being hyped up on the zone as airing there because really if everybody knew that they had problems like problems, they could have just stayed up especially for the foreign art especially for the audience out Asia outside of South Korea and Japan and we especially but the young gun because there's a prospect from Roanoke Wallace and Bill who is a 
being on the zone when they don't really the quality of fights or the quality of a third has to be worthy it's just it's, it's a case of content uh, of just trying to get as much shit for their for their um for their platform as possible it's, it's this is the era of of content of of more uh, of just content over quality content, and I'm Basically, sure. Quantity. Of- quantity. Thank you. Yeah, quantity. So yeah, that's unfortunately how it is. Sucks. I know it absolutely sucks. So you know, Royalty was one of the promotions I really I enjoyed watching on YouTube. Getting up at like you know, two a.m. three a.m. to watch it. Um, seeing you know Gabby fight there. Seeing uh. Uh, everybody's favorite heel, Joshi, uh, Yoshiko. Um, oh, that bitch. <laughs> yeah, but also Seo Hiham, and you know there was the, the the fight that she had, uh, the high profile fight against. Um, um, oh my God, this is what happens when you drink a little bit too, uh, drink a little bit before a podcast. Um, I understand, man. I understand. Who did, who's also probably talking about the? Against Ace Oh yeah, the lightweight, the the lightweight um, the lightweight um, uh, the lightweight million dollar tournament. Yeah, that was like the last time I heard anything about any 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 hype for Road SC. Um, but even that kind of came and went. It sucks, you know, because you know uh, there are a lot of great fires from Korea. Um, you know, we got the Korean Zombie. Um, coming out of Korea, and there's other fighters as well. Um, I don't know if I'll say Jay Hoon Moon is a is a good fighter, but nonetheless, still a fighter from from Korea. But then, uh, um, let's see, uh, In Su Huang, who uh, he got knocked out in five seconds on the last on the last card, but you know, a very interesting, charismatic fighter. Um, I know he's I know he's not, uh. Korean, but Chinese fighter, uh, Orgelli, you know. Oh, yes, the Houston basically announces like he's in convulsions over. Exactly, but nonetheless, <laughs> listen, the guy's, the guy has a unique presence, you know, and he fights out of OSC, and you know, I feel like they, I feel like they, 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 sh- they shredded their audience, a good amount of their audience going on, on the zone, because, let's be honest. People who are, I don't know anybody who bought the zone, subscribes to the zone just for uh, Road SC. And for those who are watching MMA on Road, on, on the zone. Or, 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 in the case of the other promotion. <coughs> Shit. In case of the other promotions they got, they also have companies, which we'll get to in a little and EFC Worldwide out of South Africa. Well, it is funny. Well, didn't Combat uh, Combat the Americas have like the highest ratings like during some week a week of MMA like a few weeks ago? It, like it, it narrowly beat UFC and Bellator. Yeah, but that's for their Spanish language broadcasts on. Oh, never mind then. Never mind. Excuse me then. Um, but actually, let's 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 briefly talk about Combat the Americas since we did talk about it a, a while back. When we are talking about a potential rumor match with uh, Tito Ortiz at, taking on 
Alberto L. Patron, former WWE wrestler and also fighter in Pride and Luchador uh, out of AAA and TMLL. Are you okay, Christian? You're not dying over there, I hope. this card and I will throw my pesos at my screen to watch the card I hope it's not I hope it's not exclusive on the zone because I just I actually did cancel my the zone membership uh, membership just to watch the Bellator 222 show and then as a result watch the um, that Bellator London card which is a fucking mess uh, and then and then the uh, the zone uh, not zone I'm sorry road SC show um, oh yeah here's another thing as well um, I just want to briefly talk about this, and I want, I wish, I hope that any MMA promoters who listen to this are, are please take this uh, advice. When you have graphics of the fighters on your show, on, uh, on your screen, please put pictures of the fighters. Do not just put them that, oh, this person is wearing red, or this person is wearing blue, or this person's shorts are black, or these person's shorts are red. I want to tell you something. There are people, there are fighters who will wear red shorts, who are in the boot corner, and vice versa, and it's very confusing for fighters that are we do not very well very well know. So, and I'll say t- I'll say this. Yeah, I mean, like for example, when it comes down to what Bellator has been doing, a whole hell of a lot since Mike Goldberg joined the promotion in 2017, about no 2018, if I'm not mistaken. They've been doing, you know, this fighter. It's so stupid. I want to tell you something. If you want to get people who don't know anything about MMA to watch your show, you cannot have them expecting to look at their gloves to remind them, oh, that's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. The Japanese feed uh, of, of the Fuji TV feed uh, of Ryzen has pictures of the fighters. And if you don't believe me, uh, go watch the, the Yaranoka card from, from last year in December. Because that was the that was the Japanese feed. Uh, they showed pictures of the fighters. The English feed does not have not them. Not only was it the Japanese feed, it was without commentary too, so you can hear everything. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, UFC and also UFC, they're fucking terrible. They put the the colors in little teeny boxes that like if you're if you are if you need glasses, you probably can't even see them. I just wish that MMA, that MMA promoters, MMA promotions would just realize, listen, pay the extra $100 or whatever to tell your graphic artist, put the, the, the pictures of the fighters next to their names. You know, it is so much simpler, and it, it, you know what? It makes things less confusing. I'm going to tell you this. If you want to get casuals watching, they're going to, here's the thing, casuals are, if two Asian fighters who are pale and have black hair 
look exactly look similar to a casual uh, person, they are going to have no idea what's going on. Obviously, they're going to. So it's you know, and it was even it doesn't even matter. Like if you know, you know, you have um, here's the thing. A lot of I I have to say, I say this. Not even just Asian fighters. There's a lot of MMA fighters who look similar. A lot of them have bald heads, ugly tattoos all over their bodies, uh, beards or whatever. You know. I think I would just rather see some. Also, it would just be nicer for people who are colorblind. Why not just do that for the colorblind people? Exactly, and so I'm just I'm just gonna say you know make it easier for us. When you make it easier for us, we we'll, there are people who there are more casuals to, to tune in. Hardcores will tune in no matter what, and we'll know who who is who. Uh, but if you want those casuals to tune in, make it easier for them. Other than that, Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio, I welcome it. I cannot wait for it. I hope it happens sooner rather than later. And we have, it'll be, I cannot wait to see the press conferences between Tito and El Patron. And I hope he wears a mask during the, uh, the match, like he did with, uh, Crow Cop. True, true, but now, currently, they're already running, like, an angle about, you know, how these two fighters share their political beliefs. Obviously, Tito Ortiz is a Republican. He's basically uttering a certain douchebag president who we will not name and saying I want to build that wall while obviously Alberto being an immigrant and obviously making a whole lot of success and fame here in America he's a democrat against the wall but here's I'm also going to just bring up a, a quick point now I know that Alberto El Patron is involved with the with, with, with the promotion, Combat America is in some sort of executive se uh, sense, right? He's a commentator, I think, as well? Commentator and president of the promotion, whereas Cameron McLaren is the founder and CEO. Now, for those who are not familiar with Alberto El Patron as a wrestler, he does have a history of being booked and advertised for, for wrestling matches, and then at the last minute... Does not appear. No shows, cancels, etc., etc. And automatically pulling out just for some bullshit. Well, you know, and it, briefly his history. He was a AAA whatever champion, heavyweight champion. Um, Mega world heavyweight champion. Yes, and he essentially just left left the promotion as champion to go back to WWE um, in his second run. Uh, most recently, he was with. Impact Wrestling and was supposed to be doing some shows for uh, th during WrestleMania week and had even done the press conference for the matches uh, for the, the type of the matches and then the day of just no showed um, and there's other other um, other little ones as well that uh, he no showed so I'm presuming that even though he is an executive for the promotion he will not no show for his own promotion for a fight that he's advertised for that would that would take some fucking balls if he does that, but I will assume he'll not do that. Of course he won't, because if he basically no shows for his own promotion, what the fuck do you think it's gonna do to the credibility of Combat?
Oh, it would it 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 would hurt them bad, really, really, really bad. You know, especially if, if he does it on the on the day of. If he does it on the day of, Combat Americas is ruined. Nobody will ever. Nobody outside, I guess, their hardcore, 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 hardcore fans will watch them, and they will suffer financially. Come to think of it, do you think they'll probably pull an Elite XC and just close up shop on? Think that they will pull in a flick and just close up shop when shit hits the fan? Oh boy, I hope not. I hope not. Um, that's all. That's all I'll say. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be happy to comment in more when the fight actually is announced and all the details are. But um, I'm looking forward to it as of now. Well, you know what they say: cars subject to change. I just hope <sighs> they can find. You know. So I've been drinking a bit, so I'm gonna rant a little bit. I know we don't have that much more time. Uh, we're going actually overtime, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just rant on it on the, on the card subject to change. It's okay, it's okay because we got one more topic to talk about after this, and that's the Bellator featherweight Grand Prix. But go ahead. Card subject to change. WWE fans always use this to defend. You know, oh, you know, it's not a swerve because card subject to change. Card subject to change is when an act of God happens. It's not when the when the promotion deliberately decides to fuck over their your 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 audience or your consumers. That's when oh okay so Roman Reigns gets cancer so he cannot be on the advertised house shows that we had him advertised for the next three months in in Akron Ohio. That's what it's there for. Uh, it's for oh you know um, someone you know Seth Seth Rollins broke. Uh, Shin, uh, uh, Finn Bauer's arm doing a, a power bomb to him. Uh, sorry, he can't be on the advertised shows that we have him for. Um, car shifted to change. That's that is not. Listen, it is not a way for promoters to fuck over the audience to 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 swerve as Vince Russo would say their audience. That is that is called being shitty. That is called being a shitty promoter. So I I had to go on a rant because I was earlier on wrestling Twitter and I was just angry that people that wrestling Twitter is is a cesspool of cancer and other shit. It's okay. I'm pretty sure if you share it to enough people that actually understand you, you know, they'll probably want to you know change their workplace instead of. Or you know what? To to segue to the next thing, you know, hey, tournaments, uh, cards subject to change. You know, someone gets injured in a tournament. Oh, we bring in the alternate who won their match, or some, or their the person who they beat will advance. That's how it happens. It is that it. That's how it is. So speaking of tournaments, yes, the Bellator Featherweight Championship announced for when was this announced for uh, happening, Christian? I will say. Bellator announced two sets of four fights scheduled for two cards in September, both of which are taking place in California, for the Bellator Featherweight World Grand Prix, which will kick off on September 7th in San Jose at Bellator 226. Santa Cecilia will take on Pedro Carvalho, Daniel 
Jason Strong will take on Derek the Spartan Kappa. Pat Patty Mike Curran will take on Adam Borg, the kid. And Emmanuel Sanchez, Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez will take on Taiwan Air Claxton at Bellator 228 at the Forum, the fabulous Forum in Inglewood, California, presented by Chase. Daniel Drake Vitchell will take on UFC Ultimate Fighter finalist Saul the Hangman Roger. Former Bellator Bantamweight champion Darian the Wolf Caldwell, who pretty much burned every bridge he could with Ryzen, will take on Henry O.K. Corrales. The mercenary A.J. McKee Jr. His toughest test today will keep his undefeated record intact will look to keep his undefeated 14-0 record intact against insane Georgie Karakanyan. And Patricio Pitbull Fiore will defend the Bellator featherweight title against Juan de Spaniarcha. So I just wanted to make sure they're doing the same thing with the welterweight tournament where the champion has to defend his, ma- his title in every match that he's in. Yup. What do you think about that? Do you... Do you, well, other than that, the title will probably get passed around like a game of hot potato. See, that's the thing. That's the thing I don't like because what happens if that happens? If that, if that actually happens? If like three or four people win the title, I think that kind of makes the title look like shit. Uh-huh. That's my personal opinion. I mean, that is because it would basically, you would basically be treating that title like how WWE treats the 24-7. Exactly, yeah. It was kind of like when the heavyweight title had no had no meaning because like everybody was winning it like at one point or another um, until. Uh, which belt? Which type? Which promotions heavyweight title are you talking? Sorry, the UFC. About? UFC. UFC until oh, okay. like until like DC was like the really wasn't he the first long term champ of the of the heavyweight division? I believe. I believe it was. Uh, I think not. That probably went to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but Brock will only he'd only he he only defended against two or three people, I think, right? He uh Yeah, he, he beat Randy won Co- the title Frank Mir, he defeated Shane Carlin one and then he got knocked the fuck out by Kane Velasquez. Well also don't forget, um also that that, that mirror that the, the Carlin fight was a uh, was um um unification match as well. Because um Carlin was a uh, interim. Oh, of course, Carlin was the interim heavyweight champion. Um, I'll say this. So Adam Borics is in it. I think he had had he lost against Pico. I think Pico would have been in his place. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, uh, um, I can just to let also get bring people up to speed on what they on what you meant by Darian Caldwell after his fight against Kyoji Horiguchi. He's backstage. Uh, in, at Master Garden, there was, I guess, I don't know, was it Bellator, Spike TV, or the Zone camera phone, whoever it was. Doesn't matter. It was a Bellator camera. Okay. It doesn't matter because the camera's probably worth more than what he's worth. Um, and, uh, uh, he said some shit, and I don't even remember what it was. Then he pushed the guy. Uh, did he push the guy or did he push the camera? He pushed the guy and the camera. Okay. So it doesn't matter. That's assault, and that's. Possible destruction of property. Had that camera broke, I w- Bellator. You know what? I would have fined him. I would have fined him ten thousand dollars and basically, you know, suspended 
him for. I'm actually surprised he has is that the New York State Athletic Commission did not suspend him. Um, wasn't this didn't North, New York State Athletic Commission uh, suspend um, Roy Nelson for uh, kicking a referee in the ass? Oh, he... after Roy Nelson, I think he kicked John McCarthy off in the end. That was it, yes. That was uh, the Noguera fight, right? Um, yep. Yeah, where he thought that Noguera, he thought that uh, McCarthy let the fight go on too long. I mean, he jokingly kicked him in the ass, and he got suspended. Um, let's see. Not only that, but he had to deal with the Brazilian courts and the fact that, I mean, the fact that Roy Nelson doesn't understand Portuguese. But yeah, Darren Caldwell, that was a piece of shit move to do to uh, Tim. I know he lost a fight. He probably thought he won the fight um, for some reason, and um, he, uh, you know, he took his anger on this on this one guy who happened to be right there. And he's lucky the guy did not get injured. Um, he's lucky the camera did not break, because that could have resulted in a lawsuit and. Got him. You know, as punishment, I would have, I would have suspended him. Regardless, of what would have, would have happened. I would have suspended him, find him, and take him out of the tournament. Put somebody else in there. I have no idea. Um, anybody else besides him? Get that Damian Brown. Tell Damian Brown to uh, get down to one forty-five. Take you're taking uh, you're taking his uh, uh, Caldwell's place. Yeah, but that would only be uh, Damian Brown was willing to give up his Ryzen light weight. I uh, know uh, Damian Brown seemed pretty pretty was volunteering himself to be in the uh, light in the uh, lightweight tournaments. Um, so yeah, you know this is this sounds like a, a you know pretty good matchups. Um, well, you know hopefully you know tournaments you know usually don't happen often in America because it's just. You know, it's it, a lot. I know. I understand why uh, a lot of MMA promotions don't do it because you have to. You have to. You have to deal with commissions. Commissions are very weird. We've seen it with PFL. Um, um, excuse me. I said lightly. I said I meant featherweight. Um, so yeah, you know, commissions are very weird. Um, I know for a fact that the PFL has had issues with, with specifically in New York with heavyweights where there's a rule that like heavyweights have to be within like 20 pounds or 10 pounds of each other. Some, some strange rule. But, you know, hopefully the commissions here, you know, you know, they're not doing what PFL does where they're having fights in the same night. So, you know, hopefully all goes well. I think it's, I think it's very, it's a very, I think the matchups are, are compelling. Very interesting to look at. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I hope that, you know, I hope, you know, I have no pick right now. Um, I'll say, actually, one thing I'll say I'm surprised is, actually, I should say, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. I kind of figured there'd be a rising person in this, um, in this, um, uh, mix-up. You know, whether that be Damian Brown, uh, Mikuru Azakura, I know he's, he's fighting, you know, this weekend, uh, next weekend, excuse me, but... You know, I'm kind of surprised that that Ryzen didn't didn't want to. You know, they're bringing um, Big Pitbull over for their lightweight match for the lightweights. Um, 
100% over. Yeah, so I'm surprised that uh that that they didn't send over. You know, there was a little trade off. You know, hey, we'll send you Pitbull or we want Pitbull. We'll give you so and so. I know that the 145 division isn't the strongest in Ryzen, but I know that Mikuru Azakura is one of the guys who fights at 145. Um, so yeah, that's all. That's the one thing I'm I'm a little bit surprised about. I have to say. Any any thoughts on on this on this uh, whole thing, Christian? I mean, to be honest, I don't really have any thoughts on it right now. We should probably do like a little uh not a review, so I mean, we should probably do a little preview, so to speak, just in case you know <laughs> we find something interesting about. These upcoming, I mean, the fights that are going to happen on this call, I mean, September 7th card in San Jose, because of course, those first four fights in the lightweight Grand Prix are going to be bookended by Chet Congo versus Ryan Bader for the heavyweight title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's your main card right there. I hope it's not all on the zone. I don't want to have to subscribe to the zone again. Just rather watch it on television. I hate to you, but both of those sets of fights, Bellator 226 on September 7th and Bellator 228 on September 28th are both going to be on the zone. But right now, only Bellator 227 is going to be scheduled to be on the Paramount Network, and I think that's going to be on either September 14th or the 21st. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I just understood. You know. It just I just would rather wish that everything could be just on one thing. You know. I, I you know, briefly about that bell tour. You wish that everything could be what? On just on one platform. I would rather, you know, either Bell Tour just be on either Dazone or Spike. Just one or the other. Not don't don't switch around both. I think I I, I still like like the Bell Tour won the card, we're gonna briefly talk about it. Um it was on three different plat. They aired. It was on the Zone. It was on Spike TV in America, and it was on whatever channel was in London. But apparently, they only had certain fights. Five, only, I think. Yeah, for the for they only had fights that were only available in the UK, not on the Zone or on Spike TV. No, wait, I'm sorry. It wasn't on Spike TV in America. I don't think even. Actually, you know, Spike TV changed to the Paramount Network. Whatever. Yeah, I call it Spike TV. Um. Yeah, so it's still spike to me, damn it. It's just it's just a weird thing that like it's 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 like just pick one. Just pick one one way to show all of your fights and all of your shows, I think. It's just I don't you know, don't don't make it so complicated. That's just my that's just my personal opinion on on that whole thing. I'd rather just have them on either the zone or Spike T V. Paramount Network, excuse me. But other than that, I think we have shot all the shit that we could possibly shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, we'll be we'll be having we'll be releasing the Jake Kuhn interview this week. I want the Johnny Case interview, as well as doing a Ryzen 17 preview card with a very special guest who I'm crossing my fingers hopefully will be available. Um, if 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 all else fails. 
You'll just hear the wonderful voices of Christian and I doing this. Um, with that, Christian, I'm going to send it over to you for all the plugs and everything. Okay, if you want to check out this particular, I mean, I mean, first of all, we, if you check us out on YouTube, and that not only goes for the We Are Rising YouTube channel, but the Focus Fights YouTube channel, the channel that I'm basically busting my ass and putting interviews on, please feel free to subscribe to us. I mean, because we would like to put out more content. We would like to, you know, get people talking about us. We would like to get people listening to us. But we can't do that if we don't really have an audience to show for it. So please, subscribe to the respective channels of the We Are Rising podcast and Focus Fights because we would love to keep putting out more content just for your ears to enjoy some great fights. Oh, wait, that, that shit was corny. Let me rephrase. <laughs> we would like to put out some more content, some more great fight action just for you guys to listen. Again, my corny-ass phrases aside, we just want to put out more content so you guys would want to actually pay more attention to us. And I'm no disrespect to any of the so-called national MMA or international MMA media that don't give much of a damn about the stuff that we talk about. Again, Twitter.com, I mean, on Twitter, you can follow my group at Focus Fights. We cover all combat sports from the Pacific Rim to North America, South America, parts of Europe, including Russia. Hell, we'll cover Africa if you want us to. But still, you can follow us on Twitter at Focus. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at We Are Rising Pod. You can follow me personally on at ChrisGary92, C-H-R-I-S-G-A-R-Y-9-2. I will follow you if you follow me. And I'm pretty sure Andrew Benjamin at abenja one A-B-E-N-J-A, the number one, would probably do the same thing. On Facebook, facebook.com slash opinion, And, of course, facebook.com slash focusfights. Be sure to give both of those a like as well. And also, if you want to listen to more of this podcast, listen to all the interviews that we got, we are currently on SoundCloud and hopefully soon if I can bust my to try and make it happen we'll be on any we'll be on any and every podcast form imaginable but other than that I mean Andrew if you have the sound clip ready it's time for us to beat you all to do yes yes Christian Uh, in the great words of Lenny Hart. What is that, Lenny? Uh, 